Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Real spoilers powered by ReviewSTL.com. Warning, the following film discussion will ruin the ending of any movie you haven't seen. Example. Bruce Willis is dead at the end of The Sixth Sense. See how I ruined it for you? Just like that. Here are a few more. Silent Breed is people! I am your father. Get it? Real spoilers. You've been warned. Broadcasting from the lush but not lavish studios located in the basement of the O'Keefe Institute for Advanced Films and Architude, this is Real Spoilers Episode 580. Continuing our foray into the world of misbegotten sequels with Gremlins 2, The New Batch. So there. So I guess before we get uh, get involved, let's uh, let's go around the table and everyone can say uh, can introduce themselves. This is Joe. This is Kevin. And this is Tom. Quick, shameless plugs. Don't forget, uh, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us while you're there. Be sure and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Uh, if you'd be so kind as to leave a review, that's helpful as well. And, of course, find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash spoilers. Like the page. Join the group. Uh, group is a great place to chime in if you have thoughts or comments, and uh, we love to see them. And, of course, our Patreon, patreon.com slash realspoilers, where for five bucks a month you get all sorts of bonus content, and and uh, we like you better. So, there. <laughs> uh, there's all that. Uh, I guess let's dig into Gremlins 2. I, th- I will start by saying this movie sets the tone immediately. Oh, yeah, it does. Immediately. The studio logo. <laughs> With the, the studio logo and, and, and the... the Looney Tunes characters popping up. Daffy is Duck. It, yeah. This is what you, what's you got. They, uh, they this this movie is a live action Looney Tunes cartoon. Yeah. Yep. It's, I mean, and that's a, a comparison that gets thrown a lot, a lot thrown around a lot sometimes with various films. But um, I think this might be the first. Is this maybe the first one that you could refer to? The, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to. <laughs> oh think. yeah, a live action cart like it's crazy yeah. i i never realized growing up as a kid like it's not like i haven't seen this movie in 20 years like i have watched it at some point but again when you don't watch a movie for a podcast when you're just watching a movie as opposed to actually like analyzing it and trying to pay attention to certain things i never realized how insane this movie was before <laughs> like insane in the best way possible yeah like right. i absolutely loved how crazy this movie is how meta and self-aware and just bonkers it is uh joe dante actually prefers this to the first movie he apparently just got to do whatever with it because of the success of the first one and it may not have made as much money but man it's crazy and it I, is 
I, I like <laughs> I was thinking as I'm watching it that it is a a real life Looney Tunes cartoon and I feel like it did a better job of capturing that than like Space Jam or right I that mean, actually Looney has Toon- Looney Tunes in it. Yeah, like to me Looney Tunes <laughs> back in action is as close to this you can get with the Looney Tune characters. Like I've never back, seen that one. Back in action is very much uh, a Looney Tunes cartoon, just with all the characters, and they 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 know what they wanted to be. Kind of like mm. um, well, it's directed by Joe Dante. So see, Joe Dante <laughs> directed that movie. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, Which, that makes and a lot it of makes sense. a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, it, almost like the new Muppets movie, the the first one, the the first in the redos. They're both great for the record. They are both great. But like that first one, like <laughs> they doubled down on the Muppets and like, right, like it's a know, reboot. I exactly. mean, they set the tone of like, yeah. Yeah. So this, like, like Tom said, this one opens with the, an animated WB logo with Daffy Duck, uh, front and center all over it. And then, um, we go back. This was to... the 50th anniversary of Bugs Bunny, I think, is yeah. why they were talking oh, okay. about that. Okay. And so that's why Daffy Duck's like, for 50 years you've been in the spotlight, I'm going to do it. So he's sitting on the logo. And they got uh, Chuck Jones to come out of retirement to they oversee did. these. And, yeah. I mean, somebody is buddies with Chuck Jones. I don't know who, but uh, but somebody might. Because he has a cameo in the first movie. Mm-hmm. He does, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw his name on the credits of the first one. Yeah, he's there's a scene where Billy is in a bar drawing. You see him yeah. when you see him drawing. There's an older guy sitting next to him with like a a beard, mustache, and glasses. That's Chuck that's Jones. right. Yeah, and he actually he like compliments him on his car, his uh, drawing. Yeah, and he then yeah. he actually <laughs> call as he's leaving. He's like, "Okay, see you later, Mister Jones," or something like yeah. that. So, <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. So then we go back to this one opens. Um, what this one does, it's actually we we always talk about how sequels, movies that didn't get sequel, that weren't originally supposed to have sequels, but got sequels, never really know how to reopen the movie, right? Like so, in the at the end of the first one, it's the old man walking away with um, Gizmo in the cage, and we just go back to, you know, he's taking him back to the shop. Well, this one, Gizmo's in the shop. And he is, you know, watching TV and the old man does not like that he is, you know, rotting his brain with TV. He's watching Rambo 3, I think. Well, so this is only after the the not Donald Trump comes. Well, his people come and try right. to make him an offer. So the old man in the shop, they're the only holdout for this guy that wants to build this huge. Mr. Mr. Clamp. Yeah. Clump yeah. or something, right? No, it's like, it's like his clamp. logo okay. is a legit clamp. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, but it's yeah, it's clearly modeled after Donald Trump. Is and it though? Because this guy is much more likable. It's it's modeled after uh, Donald Trump and Ted Turner. Okay, like, he's got like okay. the cable networks and everything, but sure, the real sure, estate sure. part. His book looks like the Trump book that he had out at the yeah, time. Yeah. Like Biff is um, more like Donald Trump, but <laughs> but so they he's the only holdout. This guy, and so they come, they bring a TV, and he does like a video chat, you know, right, to right, right. Uh, like, to you the guy the TV. Yeah, and and so and he turns on Rambo. So okay, this is the very first scene of the movie, and yes. he turns on Rambo, and you know it's Stallone sitting there with a gun and a bandana or whatever. It's a bow and arrow. Okay, okay, sorry, that's right. He's got the bow and arrow. That's why. And and so and Gizmo goes Rambo, and I'm like, wait a minute, how do you know what Rambo is? You just started watching this. Then I realize the entire thing is a cartoon, right? And uh-huh. it plays by cartoon logic. 
And I'm like, okay, this makes sense. Never like, mind. That's, that's <laughs> the I thing w- you have to understand. <laughs> I would also say, though, in defense of this of the logic, and but there isn't much logic in this movie, and you either accept that or you don't. Oh yeah, I don't care at this point. But yeah. um, but I mean, Rambo. I mean, this at this point, there's been three Rambo movies. So just because he he just started watching this movie doesn't mean he's never seen another one or he's never seen this movie before. And it's on TV. But why would why would Gizmo? Be watching TV or Rambo? Uh, well, I but, kind of took it as Gizmo was just watching TV nonstop, and that that's why. Because, and again, I I know to some degree I'm writing the script for them, but but like, there's no other reason that all these gremlins would have so many pop culture references. Like they, these gremlins pop into existence and instantly know American pop culture. Right. right, that's why you can't explain it. Right, and so <laughs> the, the no closest thing I have to, to an explanation <laughs> is that Gizmo's been watching TV, and they're all ultimately he's the source material. Like so, they would uh, have the info as well. Like somehow, wow. it I've never on to them. Tom, that's, never, that's genius. Let's I've start never writing thought of an ex- right now. <laughs> that's crazy. Okay, so yeah, I my point whole point was just throw logic out the window, but I've never thought about an actual reason for it. Yeah, that's a pretty interesting explanation. But anyway, my point is though the whole movie, like we said, is this giant cartoon, and so when they do all these wacky zany things, like it's more like a clip show. It's like it's like let's put gremlins in silly, crazy situations. Yeah, it's oh, absolutely. Things. It's sketch comedy with gremlins. It's, Exactly. And so once you understand what the movie is, I think it's it's amazing. And the sheer amount of uh, of gremlins in this movie, the amount of them that they had to design (laughs) and put for practical effects is mind blowing. Like Rick Baker had his work cut out for him. Well, could you imagine they go to Rick Baker? They're like, you can look, we need basic gremlins. You know what those look like. (laughs) What else you got? Yeah. yeah, you got anything else you want to do? And he's like, "I would like to do a vegetable gremlin." He's like, "Cool, let's well, do it." And that's the only reason he agreed to do the movie because he, you know, he was so impressed. I mean, the the guy's work before him was so iconic, and he didn't want to come over and just take over someone else's designs. But they told him, "No, no, no, buddy, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, got we a got lot. a deal for you. It's you really, get, it's really yeah. kind of fascinating in that in the first one, the studio complained about there being too many gremlins in the movie." And oh. and Spielberg <laughs> Spielberg quipped, he's like, "Why don't we cut them all out and we can call it people?" And uh, <laughs> and, and in this one, uh, it's Spielberg who complained about there being too many gremlins in the movie. That's he's funny. like, there, "You need to die." And they actually like cut some scenes because there's they cut like, them. Yeah. there's too much gremlins. Not <laughs> I mean, this movie is bananas with the amount. But that's again yeah. why I love it. Like I never remembered how absolutely insane it was when they take over this tower and how many and how many different types. Like it, when they show them all in like the main. I don't know, foyer or whatever the, yeah, the lobby way is and they're hanging off in like the lobby and they're hanging off things. and They're everywhere. I, it was just impressive because this is all practical effects. I mean, as far as like the creatures in these, these scenes, mm-hmm. they're all practical and they had to make each and every one of those detailed creatures, the amount of time and money they put into it. I mean, when they saw the box office receipts of that first one, <laughs> it makes sense. And it's a shame that this movie only did a fraction of the business because I mean, this, this, this is one of those ones that we talk about that deserve better. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I'm, it's glad, I'm glad it's found a second life. Yeah. It's only because of the box office. I think that it's misbegotten because I think yeah. for this movie, for what it is and what they set out to do, I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah. I just think, People didn't know how to take it. Like they didn't, like <laughs> sure. they didn't 
you know, they they went in and they get a madcap comedy, and they 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 were not expecting that on any level. Because I, I again, I remember seeing this in real time in the movie theaters. And walking out and honestly saying that's better than the first one. It's a very but nobody's different movie. gonna like it. Like you know, <laughs> what I mean? like, it's like that's and the same way that the first one did this major head fake that people liked. I feel like this one did a major head fake that just confused the crap out of people. <laughs> but because the first time, like it was a new property, so you could do a head fake and go, "This is what it is." But now you've established what it is, and you kind of do another head fake of sorts. Although, honestly, if you go back and watch Gremlins, having watched Gremlins 2, it's doing all these things. It's just also doing other things, right? I think, I think like, Gremlins is doing it on a smaller scale. Right. Yes. But you you see the kernel of what this movie, of, of what Gremlins 2 becomes, mm-hmm. like when they're when they're in the bar and things are going crazy. And, and you, you do see, like a lot of pop culture and and really more like cultural you know they're they're break dancing and Hulk Hogan is in this movie oh yeah. my god doing they, and, and the I was talking about the, version, I was about the first one with the break dancing oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and the sunglasses and that and they took some heat because like some people thought that they were kind of black caricatures oh. um but uh um I think a lot of that has been lost to time because a, a lot of what they people perceived as a black stereotype in 84 those those stereotypes have shifted and so like you know they're not as prevalent so they don't they don't drudge up the same things for people i think but maybe i'm mistaken i'm a 50 year old white guy (laughs) wait did you say that um, hulk hogan's not in the directors in, in a different cut in the vhs right there's two there's two versions. So in this version we saw, we all saw now is the theatrical version where they make it act like the film reel got yeah. messed up, which again I think is a I brilliant creative decision um so at home they did the same idea but they're like well at home you don't have a, a movie projector so right. this gag doesn't work so they recut it to make it look like the vhs was having vhs like issues like lines and fuzzy and all that stuff and then they got someone to voice john wayne <laughs> and chad like, it's a chad com- everett it, it, i think did it, it yeah, it's a completely different uh, segment. So this is what I this is, the, this is the, the reason he's in this movie is Hulk Hogan in 1990. What I mean, there was nobody bigger. That dude, he's the Rock. I mean, he was the Rock. Like Hulk Hogan, ni- 1990 Hulk Hogan, red and yellow, Hulkamania. He could never really transfer it to the big screen successfully no. the way the rock did he tried he did. but it never really oh, tried real hard I, <laughs> suburban <laughs> commando mr nanny missed was it mr yeah. nanny yes. oh. you're proving my point right. no but, totally. uh, <laughs> but 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 before the rock he was as big as it got from wrestling. yeah they rocky three. Oh yeah, yeah. and he, he's in the full <laughs> red and yellow gear he's got the my favorite uh wwf title of all time the winged the winged title it's the best one they ever did uh, but I was just like, oh, man, this is great. He rips his shirt. Yeah, oh, yeah. He did the whole Hulkamania gimmick. It was the whole thing. And then, of course, the gremlins are like, you know what? I'm not going to mess with Hulk Hogan. We're going to turn the movie back on. I'm not going to. So I think what happened, and to Tom's point in the first one, you can see Joe Dante's comedic sensibilities. Yeah. And you can see you can see the type of comedy he enjoys when it gets crazy, when they're at the bar is the biggest tell uh, that translates to this movie. And I think what happened is that movie made a ton of money. Spielberg gave 
Joe Dante creative control in the first one, but still he reined it in. He made certain decisions. That movie made a ton of money. I think Spielberg gave more control. This becomes a Joe Dante movie. And if you've seen other Joe Dante movies, like you see his kind of zany, goofy, like uh, even like the burbs, you you can can tell his comedic sensibilities and how silly, even like real world live action stuff. He kind of, gives those cartoon sensibilities to a lot of his characters and scenarios. So this becomes his movie and man, does he run amok <laughs> with it. And again, like box office aside, this movie is a blast to watch and there is just so much going on. Like I found this movie as much as I love gremlins and I love it, but I enjoyed watching this movie way more than the first one. I find it hard to disagree with you. It's bananas. This is, it's just yeah, there's, it's bananas. There's so much to take in. <laughs> Um, yeah, so our movie, like I said, the movie opens back up uh, in the shop, and of course, uh, the guy, the old man won't sell. They do use the word Orient, and I was like, mm, yeah, I don't think you could say that anymore. That's not an, I, you can't, I don't think people, so. people aren't Oriental, right? But isn't the Orient as a I location? think you can refer to it as a location. So, I like, guess that's right. What I okay. was always told, and maybe there's been involvement on, on this particular, but I was always told that, like, Rugs are oriental, people are not. Right. Yes, yes. That's my uh, understanding. I'm not saying that, like, I mean, it, I don't want to give you a definitive answer, but I'm pretty sure that's how. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the guy, the 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 dude that was dropping off the TV kind of says, he's like, oh, man, I'm sorry that didn't go the way you want. He's like, look, do you see how old that guy was? Like, give it, we got six weeks. Don't we'll even worry wait about it. We'll wait it out. Yeah, we'll wait it out. And, of course, they do. Six the weeks man, later, there's a huge the tower. <laughs> Uh, so then we've got these two twins who are just kind of snooping around who work in this tower, who work for Christopher Lee is in this movie, which oh is my just God. even yeah. more and, bonkers. And those are the twins from T2. Right. They are. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What a great, again, practical effects. They didn't have to green screen. They didn't have to do computer generated people that look fake or something looks off. You know what? When they wanted to make clones in a movie, they used to get twins. Twins. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I just, I think it's so great to see this type of filmmaking when they had simple solutions. I, I know I sound a hundred years old, but it's just, they used to, I mean, you watch all these old movies. Not that this is the oldest, but you go back even 50, 60 years, and there's so many great films, and they worked with what they had, and they had to get creative. They didn't just go, oh, computer it. Right. And, I mean, it's really neat to see how well it works. And it's, it, so yeah, so they find Gizmo in the back alley. And I do like the line where he's like, and what did I tell you? Where do you want to go find weird stuff? Back alleys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just take, they take Gizmo they back. They say you got to go to the city. Got to go, yeah, something like that. Uh, so they take Gizmo back, and so we've got uh, we're reintroduced to Billy and Kate, who are now a couple living in New York, working in uh, Clamp Towers, uh, and it's just so re- like the guy. It's it's um, what is that John Glover, who I yeah. think is a fantastic actor. Like that dude, you give that guy anything when he is allowed to be bonkers. Yeah, he's Lex. He's right? great. Right? What? Oh, he's, he's Lex. Lex's dad. Yeah. Oh, Lex's dad. Okay. Yeah, but he's but he's in Batman for or Batman and Robin. Well, he's he's uh, the Riddler in the animated series. Yeah, right, right, right. But Which is, I mean, the, he's he's great. Yeah, he's great. Uh, so yeah, so they were they. Billy is like an architectural designer, so he's like drawing. Uh, he is responsible for what this new Chinatown initiative is going to look like. Uh, we're introduced to Mar Marla Margo. Who's oh, the like his ex- Yeah, the boss. Yeah. Like he's his boss, Marla. Yeah. Marla. Uh, and Phoebe Cates is like a tour guide inside the building. 
Yeah, it's kind of like thirty, kind of like Thirty Rock. Like yeah, 30 it rock is kind of like Thirty. It's very know, much like Thirty Rock. Like yeah. I said, it's very much an amalgam of things. The building is kind of like the Empire State Building, but kind of like Thirty Rock, and and it's kind of it's kind of Ted Turner, but kind of Donald Trump. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and I never noticed as a kid like these gags all went over my head. I just was like, oh, Gremlins running amok. This is silly. I like it. But when you see like all the jokes about this being a smart building and how oh, you man. know the revolving doors and the guy every time gets they go in the door, <laughs> every time they go back to the revolving doors, like the messages are changing and more problems <laughs> are happening with them, and everything is controlled in this smart building. Like they're just little gags, they're throwaway gags, but they're all happening in the periphery. And mm-hmm. I, I just I enjoyed how much they threw at you uh, with all this stuff, which I never even thought about this building. Like it's supposed to be the state of the art futurist. Stick, uh, and it doesn't you know. work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's all just really goofy. What's everything that happens doesn't work. <laughs> it's it's fun. it's kind of like Deadpool, where like Deadpool was throwing jokes at you. Even the ones that miss, you don't remember yeah. them because you've yeah. got nine hundred more behind it. <laughs> this is very similar, where it's like you, it's you're constantly looking around the screen for other gags, w- just looking for more stuff to do. You yeah. Know? See, this movie has the sensibilities, even though it's in 1990. It really reminds me of those more of like the 70s and 80s comedies, like uh, the Zucker the Zaz Z- stuff. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It, it it really has those kind of sensibilities, and I can tell that's that's the inspiration for his type mm-hmm. of humor. It's not as it's not as dry as those films were. Like that's what no, I wrote, you know. Yeah. But but I agree. But just the but whole those gags, just, just nonstop the idea. gags. Yeah. Yes. So the the. Uh, wow, good lord. The Mogwai, I almost called him Mowgli again. Um, <laughs> so Christopher is in, Lee is Christopher Lee this. and the twins, and they, they find uh, this, you know, Christopher, they've developed all of these different serums. And it's like, oh, okay, so we're going to see gremlins that look like all of these things. Got it. That's what we're doing here. We're just going to lay this out in front of you. We're not going to pull any punches. We're not going to treat you like you're dumb. It's so ridiculous, though. And, and again, in the best way possible. But like you see Christopher Lee show up and they're walking through this laboratory on the 50 whatever story of this building. <laughs> yeah. And the research they're doing is so crazy there. <laughs> <laughs> and then they can, like you said, apply to the gremlins later. Right. Um, you know, but they've captured Gizmo and they're Gizmo. You know, and yeah. this is this is the first time we see Gizmo kind of move independently of himself. It's, it's yeah. a it's yeah. it's a. Um, Stop motion gizmo, much in the vein of like uh, Harry, uh, Harryhausen. Like that's kind of what this is. But I don't think it always was stop motion though, because you can tell. Like, okay, for instance, the flying gremlin is stop motion. Yeah, you can clearly tell that stop yeah. motion when he walks. I wonder if sometimes it's it's just a lot of puppeteering, like twenty people puppeteering, maybe somehow, yeah. because it doesn't have the look of stop motion. You can tell your eye can tell it's when the fluid. frame rate is, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, when he so, starts dancing, is when it goes to stop motion. I don't, mm, I don't think sure. so. I no, think I, I think I a lot of that puppetry. was puppetry that they that okay. they superimposed okay. and onto the image. Yeah, you know, it's onto just the a different. Yeah, it's just a different look your I, eye can catch. Uh, I know but, some of that stuff with the Gremlins uh, in this one, they would film, uh, they would use double scale. So they mm-hmm. would be twice as oh. big so they could get more kind of refined movement out of them. And yeah. then, But then, you know, everything else around them is twice as big to create the illusion. Sure, so sure, sure. You mm. can kind of tell sometimes if you know to look for it. Like, I don't think it was done poorly. Um, the green no. screen stuff was done poorly just because of the limitations of the day. But beyond that, sure. I feel like when they did the, the double size stuff, it's you can tell if you know it's there. And you can typically tell because all of a sudden the gremlin is literally 
the only thing in the shot. <laughs> right, you know, exactly. There's no right. people but, around it, you know. But it was imp- it was impressive besides was. from yeah, and just like Rick Baker again took the job because he was going to be able to make these creations his own. He was going to make all these different designs, but he also furthered the technology from what they could do in the first one whereas you always saw Gizmo in a box or yeah. in a uh, from the waist up or waist down, and you know they don't ever show him freeform. And like Joe said, in this one, Gizmo's up and walking around, and he walks kind of silly, almost like a cartoon type walk. And yeah, um, he does. Yeah, he's got like it, a. I mean, he's got very stumpy legs, so he's got a bit yeah, of like a waddle. You expect yeah. like a, like like they reused a lot of sound effects from Looney Tunes cartoons in this movie. Oh, yeah. big time! And so it's great the way that they punch things up with the sound effects. And again, it's a big walking live cartoon. But I found it really impressive how watching them back to back in the first one, Gizmo is very stationary. You don't see much mm-hmm. movement. And in this one, all the gremlins, it's it's impressive how they lots took of, those practical effects. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there's so, lots of free range gremlins in this one. And yeah, but I will also say to the first one's credit, even like even though I knew that they were kind of always keeping uh, Gizmo from the waist up and figuring out way like they it was filmed in such a way that it didn't draw attention to itself and it always no. felt natural you know what i mean no, they did it's, a it's really only, good job of that it's only in retrospect that i you know it, it you can tell if you're looking for it right but i agree it's filmed very well John, joe dante did a great job uh so it's not a knock on it at all it's only i think just just to speak so highly of rick baker's work that he took these that, things to the next level that dude i like as far as makeup guys, that I feel like him and Tom Savini and Robert Stan Kurtzman Winston. and Stan Winston, like those, yeah. I mean, those guys have done the most. I I don't think there are any. Nobody's doing anything that I mean. Who's the guy that did Shape of Water? Whoever, like that one is probably the 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 only thing in recent history. Where I was I was going to ask that. Who is the guy? We know these names. Who's Kurtzman? The... Maybe like the guy who does okay. The Walking Dead. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Greg Nicotero. Like those guys are probably doing things on The Walking Dead weekly, which I feel like is Nicotero isn't the practical effects guy though. Yeah, yeah, right? is he? Yeah. Okay, that's where he started. Oh, he was okay. a practical effects guy. Got it. Got it. Um, okay. But I feel like those are the guy. Like to do what what they're doing on The Walking Dead weekly, like that's tough. Like that's no joke. What walk around in circles and nothing but, happens? Well, that. <laughs> but I mean the makeup. You know, like oh, you're doing okay. those zombies every day, every week, and um, not every week for for them but like that's a lot of that's a lot of process to get that detail of makeup on those people uh on the regular but i mean back in the 80s yeah it was it was savini and kirkman not kirkman uh <laughs> but those guys and rick baker to me is the is the best i think stan winston um and stan has winston done, has done some amazing things but when you look at what uh rick baker did with american world of london and the thriller video and just like the Dude, Stan Winston created dinosaurs, man. Totally right. I You're mean, totally right. But he I feel, made dinosaurs okay, so look real. So here's my <laughs> so here's my thing about that though. Yeah, he had he had something to work from. Okay, right. Like he had a Stegosaurus, he had a Triceratops, he had he just brought those things to life. What Kirkman? Not, I don't not know. Kirkman. Not necessarily because you know that's not really what dinosaurs looked like. You know, I but mean, but that's what but that's what people thought they looked like. I feel like they kind of think they look like that because of Jurassic Park. I'm not saying they had totally invented it, but I mean, they they kind of created the look of a lot of things that we think and people have taken that. Like, yeah. So I just mean that I don't but to think me, it's... I mean, when, when Rick Baker's like, yeah. how do I change this guy's 
into a werewolf. Totally. He's and inventing make it, make it, from it work on screen. He's, he's inventing imagination. Like, yes, exactly. And he's yeah. inventing yeah. products that like make things expand. And to, Rick, you know, Rick Baker really introduced the idea of like the, the physical changing of, of becoming a lycanthrope. Uh, before yes. that, it was more just you get furry. Um, <laughs> and, and he's like, no, your, your, your bones are going to stretch. You're going to get a snout. You're going to walk on all fours. Like you're going to be, he really amped up the wolf part of werewolf. Yes. Where he, before he, he it was more, on... before it was more like, where is the wolf? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was just motion capture where, right. like uh, a time-lapse photo. It was time-lapse or they'd walk behind a pole and they'd come out and they'd <laughs> right. have a little bit more fur on. They'd walk behind another pole and they'd come on they have a little more fur on. Yeah. <laughs> Rick Baker said, no, we're going to show you and it's going to be gross. Yeah. What movie is it? Is it Eddie Munster? Who turns into a wolf? Like it's all furry. The kid that... I mean, Eddie Munster is a werewolf. But what, wh- who is it? What what movie is it? Maybe I'm thinking that it's like Eddie Munster, where the kid like turns into a wolf, like he's got all hair on him and stuff, and he like runs away. Know. All I can't think I of know. the movie. I don't know. It's not clicking for me. Yeah, yeah me but either. it. But you're right. It's all that. That was the old way of it. It's just like, oh yeah, you have fur on you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe you had claws. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Right. Yeah, and, and and maybe sharp teeth. Maybe mm-hmm. if we, if I feel like showing your teeth. So yeah. So uh, the guy, del- you know. He's Gizmo is singing the normal song, and this delivery guy is delivering stuff and actually hears it. So he's delivering stuff next to Billy's desk, and he starts singing the song. And of course, Billy immediately pops up. He's like, "Where'd you hear that?" And he's like, "Oh, I heard it on the radio." He's like, "No, you didn't. You're a liar." He's like, "Ah, <laughs> oh, I heard it up on 51." So Billy runs up to 51, and he uh, this is the cameos in this movie are ridiculous. So this is the the gal who plays the secretary, Julia Sweeney, Julie Julia Sweeney. Um, and I, but it's like she's in it that, for a cup of coffee. I don't know if that counts as a cameo. She wasn't that big of a deal. You know, she what I mean? wasn't on SNL at this point. I'm trying to think of when when she started that. Like she okay. might have been, but I mean, I I. It's hard to tell. The lines get blurred when you go back. Uh, she was on from. She started in '90, so she probably filmed this before she actually was on SNL. So, like, I don't think that counts oh. as a cameo. That counts as as a working actor getting a small role and then going on to become a big deal right i was just saying when i froze up the lines are blurred it's really hard to say when you watch old stuff because you'd forget the exact time period when they become famous and so you're just like oh they're in this movie but like they weren't (laughs) i guess they weren't a thing yeah like kevin and i were talking about this the other day like kevin costner is in night shift right uh, yeah henry winkler michael keaton movie but that's not a cameo. That's nobody knew who the hell Kevin Costner right. was. It was a working they, actor's part. They that's gave a, that's him, an extra. <laughs> yeah, they gave him a non-speaking role in a film that you right. know. And now you look back on it, and you're like, oh my god, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so he he breaks in, and of course, the distracts. You know, people are paying no attention to Billy whatsoever, which is the story of his life. He starts yeah. letting oh. animals out of their cages in yeah. his research facility. And he grabs Gizmo. He he finds Gizmo, and he grabs him, and he's like, you know, he takes off with him and runs downstairs. And uh, he realizes he's got to get him out of the building, but he's got this stupid meeting that he has to go to uh, with his boss, because what happens is, is John Glover, who plays uh, Mr. Clamp, comes down and he sees Billy's design and he loves it. And he thinks this is exactly what we want for uh, Chinatown. And he sees Billy's hometown or is that at the end of the? That's at the end of the movie. That's at the end. Yeah, because right um, now he likes the design, but he still like take out the trees. 
which he was told to put in by his boss, which I thought was of typical corporate bullshit. Where you your see boss the is like, uh, you see the picture of the hometown at the beginning when the the assistant guy or whatever is like, we don't we have artwork, you know, we paid to have the best art. Oh here. right, right, you right. You can't, you know, we're not paying. He you has to make the it. it's the plant where he's like, did you get approval? And he was like, I <laughs> no, not for the plant, I guess. Yeah, it's I mean, and again, all those comedic sensibilities, I really appreciated like just the workplace, like the work sucks mentality and how ridiculous they were with trying to be high end and elite and everything. Right. And then so, yeah, so now Margot has finally taken notice of Billy. Uh, Marla. Marla. Sorry. And kind of in, wants to take him to dinner. And, uh, you know, she's had this look where she her hair's been up in a bun and she's wearing glasses. And then. He, oh, it's, it's the old take your glasses off. <laughs> OK, but who did she look like? When she took uh, the glasses off and dropped her hair, You'll she looked to... just like Jessica Rabbit. Oh, well, which I which I mean, you know, Spielberg. Right. Oh, that's interesting. So yeah, I, I was kind of. She, well, she's got like the hair draped over the eye, just very bright red hair, uh, and she starts firing on Billy. And Billy, of course, you know, small town kid. I gotta tell you, if your girlfriend is Phoebe Cates, you should just stay in the house because you're yeah. not gonna do any better. <laughs> uh, I saw he, that. I saw that they almost didn't cast her in the first one because of her topless scene and in, uh, in uh, Fast Times. Fast Times, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they also, um, you know, Judge Reinhold is in the first one, and Judge I don't Reinhold is the first one. Is the bank they, teller? They ever have them on screen together? Oh yeah, that's they? interesting. Oh, I you know, and I had totally forgotten that he was in that first one. It's like me too. Oh, in two years, I'm going to be the bank manager, and in five years, <laughs> I'm going to be a millionaire. <laughs> Like, do what you know how great banks if, work? What would have been know. great if he would have been <laughs> Clamp? Yeah, that. Oh my god, if he became <laughs> okay, that would have actually been pretty awesome. You feel but, like yeah. in this movie though, like you could have gotten away with that, right? Oh, like, no, that totally. plays in this world, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so Billy goes on this pseudo work date, and the, the gal is fired on him. He's like, "No, thank you." But Kate has to go into his desk and get uh, Gizmo. And he's got to, she's got to take him home. And she's like, take him to my home, to our home. Of course, you know, she's got a little bit of a, P- a PTSD uh, from when the gremlins almost burned her entire uh, hometown down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the janitor is fixing the uh, drinking fountain. You mean Gomez goes, Adams? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, John Aston. <laughs> John yeah. Aston uh, also played and the Riddler. Gizmo goes, Gizmo goes. Did Gomez. you know that? What's that? John Aston was also the Riddler. Oh, no. that's right. And yeah. what? In the in the Batman 66 show. Yeah. No way. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yep, I didn't, yep, yep. Okay, wow. So you've got that's, two Riddlers in this movie. All we need is Jim Carrey and we're good to go. Wow. I figured, I mean, I love the 66. I For some reason, I never connected the dots that that was him. Wow. Uh-huh. uh-huh. But um, but yeah, Gizmo is always talking like pop. Like that's the funny thing again that you don't have to ex- you don't have to explain it. But Gizmo's always saying things, and they're not always even like character things. Like he's saying actors' names sometimes. Yeah, like, he calls because, the old Asian guy by his act yeah. by his actor name. And and I think a lot of name. that is just because he's saying it in such a way that like you don't really always understand him. It's just cute talk. And I think uh, Howie Mandel and the other voice actors improvised a lot and some of it just got left in, some of it worked. And so, <laughs> you know, it, the fact that like, again, this is a, this is the actor that played Gomez playing another character and he says Gomez. So like, right. that's a very self-aware joke. Yes. This movie is very self-aware. Yeah. Like I, I don't, Tom, maybe you can, back me up I, has there was there a movie up until this point that was this meta 
Um, Other than like Zucker Abrams movies, like well, I don't even I don't know that Zucker Abrams movies are are necessarily all that meta. Like no, there's a lot. You know, they. Hmm. I mean, this yeah, I this know. thing is like it, I always figured there so, was some kind of funny it is meta so self referential. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Leonard Malton is in this movie talking about the first movie. About right. his review, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's like air, like airplane doesn't. I mean, they make lots of pop culture references, but they don't typically reference the fact that they're a movie, right? Sure, right. And sure. and that's kind of what I think of as meta. And so, like this this one, like you know, the film breaks and they're talking about the, you know starting it back up, and and Leonard Malton is reviewing the first film, and then they he's reading know, they, his review of the first film, right? Yeah, <laughs> like he's literally reading his review because he didn't like the first one, and then they um oddly enough he gave this one three out of four stars. He um, learned it because they were gonna the gremlins were gonna gobble him up. because yeah, he was in it. Um, <laughs> but, but, but did you did you read what he wrote in his movie guide? Yeah, like, he that it was an egregious. There was an egregious cameo in the movie. Right. That's pretty oh, yeah. funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, and and you know and then the movie makes fun of its own rules. Like people are you know mocking the you know his Billy's coworkers as he's explaining the rules are like well that's dumb. Like what if you. You know, what if you feed them at eleven fifty nine, but they cro- get something struck, stuck in their teeth, or they cross <laughs> the international dateline, or you know what I mean? Yeah, like, you those know. have always been arguments. Like I was going to ask you guys, when do you think midnight ends? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. They, they, they never tell. Midnight? <laughs> they tell you when to stop feeding them. They never tell them when you can start feeding them again. <laughs> yeah. It's I always been six, fun. To, I would say six a.m. But I, I think six a.m. too. Like that's morning to me. Like when but, morning starts. But even the. Uh, even the the filmmakers are like these rules are dumb. It's a means <laughs> to an end. Like yes. let's not overthink it. You know, and they don't. And this is the perfect movie to deconstruct those rules. Right. Yes. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. So yeah, Gomez Adams sprays um, Gizmo with some water, and now we've got a bunch of uh, more uh, Mogwais. And this one, I actually this one doubles down on the personality of the mogwai and how they all have different personalities so you've got like the dopey yeah. one it's the seven dwarves right like it's- well they turned them in well that's true i was gonna say they turned them into cartoon characters yeah. like like when you see a cartoon and it's of like a doofy looking character you know they give them certain traits and so whereas the other ones just had different personalities these ones visually but i think appear to be i think these are the there's the seven dwarves so you've got the dopey one you've got the happy one you've got the angry one and you've got like the smart one so you've got doc you know i love that smart one yeah the smart one's great yeah tony randall yeah tony curtis i think that's that's so fantastic um it's tony randall tony randall yeah yeah uh yeah so they then now they're they're wreaking havoc and of course they kidnap gizmo and throw him and throw him into one of like a heating shaft so when kate goes home to or kate goes to get gizmo she picks up the dumb one and doing like, king kong yeah right right uh and then uh, the gremlins get loose oh that kate realized or billy realizes that he they don't have gizmo so they have to get back to the building and get the real gizmo because now billy knows shoot there are more of these things and we are in trouble uh we we didn't even mention grandpa monster in this movie well, it's Grandpa not Grandpa Monster, Monster. yeah. And, it's, and like, the thing that I noticed that was really interesting about this As actor, a vampire? Yeah, right, exactly. And But he used to host a TV show that was very similar to this. Like, that was this was a parody of that. But I thought it was really interesting. You've seen him in other movies, right? That's not, wait, that's you, not Grandpa you Monster, You know that's not it? really Grandpa Monster, right? 
That's not Grandpa. No, Bowser. not the. Okay. Not the re- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, no. It's very similar. Uh, similar enough to where I'm like, it like Al Lewis isn't hard to get. Like, right. why didn't they cast him <laughs> in this role when it's clearly what they were going? For? Right. Right. Exactly. But so, like, so this guy did another TV show that was very similar. So it was a parody of that. But this guy, you've also seen in other movies. So he worked at the TV station in Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh huh. And then he was also the movie theater owner in The Last Action Hero. The Last Action Hero. It's like yeah. they put this guy as so typecast as like media guy, you know? Like I just thought it was so <laughs> funny that he's like, oh, I'm the movie theater owner and the TV show station guy and this TV show host. <laughs> so I don't know. I never connected the dots, you know, when I was younger, even though I had seen all those things. It's fun to, to like when you kind of notice those threads. Yeah. Like I just noticed a character actor by the name of Mel Rodriguez. Um, because I happen to be watching three things that he's in from three different time <laughs> periods, yeah. and I'm just like, it, but it, he's uh like the overweight. He, he's a bigger mm. guy. Well, I don't think he is anymore, but he was for a long time. He's uh he's Todd on Last Man on Earth, mm. uh, which is the super nice guy that drives Will Forte crazy because okay. he's so nice, <laughs> and then and then he plays uh. Um, a security guard on Community as a reoccurring role <laughs> oh. as like, Chang's boss, and then he's also that's also um, uh, Saul's uh, con man buddy from Chicago in the first season of Better Call Saul. Oh, um, wow! And yeah, right. And it's like, and it's funny. He never changes his appearance. Right? right? He's always a a big dude with a mustache. <laughs> Like he doesn't, he doesn't do anything to change how he yeah. looks, but he completely changes how he comports That's himself so to the point that you don't even realize. And you know, like, and those are three very different roles anyway i was right. just like very caught off guard when i was like wait that's the guy from this <laughs> i'm watching last man on earth and he really caught my attention on there because he's so yeah. good and then i'm re-watching community with my son and i was like oh hey that's the same guy and then i'm watching better call saul with my wife and i was like well son of better a call saul <laughs> so, is one of the best shows on television if you're yeah, not watching so that hat tip to mel rodriguez yeah. but so, watch that show yeah. it like Breaking Bad is one of the best shows ever made. And if you were turned off, like at first, I'm like, a Better Call Saul show? Like, I did not think I needed that at all. And that show is just as good as Breaking Bad. It's because Bob Odenkross is the man. Bob Odenkirk. 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 But it really is a great show. So give it a chance, especially. I mean, you want to watch Breaking Bad for the tie-ins. I'm not saying you need to, but you really want to. Yeah, there's lots of nods. Yeah. So, oh, speaking of Better Call Call Saul and Breaking Bad... What's the old guy's name? The works of the 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 I, booth. I saw he was in the first movie. He's in Gremlins. He's yeah. The, he's he's, he's, the, uh, he's the, the cop. The cop. He's not the sheriff, but the it's I meant Mike. to mention that earlier. Yeah, yeah. My, the guy that plays Mike. Mike Airgarden Air or something like that. Yeah. Jonathan. Oh, Mike Ermintrout's the character. Uh, Ermintrout, Jonathan Banks is the actor. Yeah, he's a cop in the first Gremlins. I yeah, I noticed it, but didn't bring it up. I <laughs> never saw that. Yeah, I meant to bring it up as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Billy goes back and he's trying to tell everybody, look, you got to close this thing down. You got to get this is going to get bad real quick. And as Billy is doing that, the gremlins get up to the 51st floor 
and start taking some serums. <laughs> just <laughs> like going, you know, you get one that turns into electricity. You get one that turns into vegetables. You get one that turns into a bat, one that turns into a spider, one that takes the brain formula. Well, the spider's and, later, right? That's at the it's end. Towards when, the end that's yeah. that spike turns into the that spider. Sp- Yes, Spike turns into the mm. spider, right? Spike is voiced by Frank Welker, who we yes. all know, uh, and he was the voice of Stripe, so Stripe. they brought him back, yeah. Uh, so Gizmo, <laughs> the line in uh, Rambo that has resonated with Gizmo is sometimes to end war, you have to become war. So <laughs> seeing all of these gremlins kind of take over this building, Gizmo decides to do a training montage, which is fantastic. <laughs> so he's lifting like a little dumbbell and he's uh, making his own bow and arrows and he's tying a Rambo style uh, headband around his head. It yeah. just, it's just it's fantastic. It's Gizmo in this movie. I love that they give him more to do. Yeah. Yeah, it's just so. I think they so much gave fun. him more to do because they could, right? Like originally, like the he, yeah, he that's turned true. into Stripe, and then they re, kind of rewrote that. But then he was like to go back and create things that you could insert that wouldn't disrupt the narrative was probably a little difficult. Where now they they you, you just know, go go balls out, right? I've um, always hated it when they're like messing with Gizmo, the Mean Gremlins. Oh yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, so uh, was there ever a Gremlins cartoon? Uh, no, but there's about to be on HBO yes, Max. Right? It's, yeah. Okay. Okay. That's what I thought. I knew that there was something coming out, but it's it's one of those weird. We talk about weird properties that became like comic books and uh, like a Beetlejuice cartoon, and Beetlejuice, and Bill stuff, and Ted, yeah. Back to the Future, Teen Wolf, like all that stuff became card Toxic Avenger. It's weird that that the Gremlins never made that jump. Well. This property is based on a cartoon. You know that, right? Or on a on a book that became a cartoon, a Disney cartoon? No. I mean, Gremlins, you've never seen the Gremlin. Like, you know, I mean, I think even like the Twilight Zone is based on the well, same I mean, thing. Like, Gremlins are a kind of a known creature, yeah, I mean, but I it's almost gremlins, like saying that but... there are dragons. And so, you know, like. No, but the, but the gre- but Gremlins is a book by Roald Dahl and they turned it into a Disney cartoon where the Gremlins are are terrorizing a plane and like i mean this these gremlins terrorizing the cities and the building are i mean it's based was it called gremlins go home no it's called the gremlins oh well and there's a there's also a bugs bunny cartoon where he's flying where a plane gremlin, and, he flies, right. and they yeah. were originally they wanted to release the first gremlins with that cartoon attached mm-hmm. so, yeah so I, wonderful so this so this is based on a cartoon. So, I mean, kind of in the other direction, they actually took it based on a story in a cartoon and obviously changed it a lot and expounded it and made it more serious and all that. But, I mean, that's the source material. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. Like, I've, but I've Gremlins are still of... like in a, pub, a public domain creature, though, right? Because, I mean, they don't credit Roald Dahl in this. They don't. They do. They do? I mean, well, I mean, at least online when I did my research. But I don't, but but like the movie doesn't. I mean, legally, he's, they're not paying him. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it probably was in public domain, so it's, it's not like they had to. I mean, yeah, like the idea of a gremlin is, is like, like the idea of a dragon. Like you can write a book called Dragon, but you don't own the rights to dragons. But if you wrote a book called Ewoks, they're going to sue you. (laughs) Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah, In that regard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty good. <laughs> uh, we should say that the neighbors, the old man and his wife came, come to New York to visit, uh, Billy and Dick Miller. yeah, Dick Miller comes back to visit Billy and Kate. And, uh, I do like how everybody thinks he's crazy, but it's like, why would everybody in this town think that you're, you, we all lived through this. 
So it's like <laughs> there isn't like this weird mass uh, mental break where you all thought you were because like when they when so he's attacked by the bat, the bat uh, gremlin attacks him outside uh, on the street corner. He's like, see, I told you, I told you I wasn't crazy. And she's like, I know, dear. And it's like, <sighs> but you she were all got ran over by a steamroller. Yeah, like you were a... all attacked by gremlins. What do you mean? He's <laughs> not crazy. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I do like that where the, the gremlin gets thrown into concrete and then becomes a gargoyle on top of. I, You know, this is the <laughs> stuff that I think you're talking about when you say that it looks a little wonky. I'm guessing this. This one looks a little wonky. The, when he's but, a... but there's something. I still love about this type of animation. Like it's dated and it stands out, but I also see it as a form of animation. I mean, it technically is, but you know what I mean? Like I respect this form of animation because even Batman does this type of animation, right? Maybe it's not the animation. Maybe it's the way Dick Miller reacts to it. That is not good. I mean, he yeah, because he is like just reacting to nothing and they have to like put it in there. Yeah. I can definitely see that. But like, the the animation style that they do i still think is very well done and i at least have an appreciation and definitely a nostalgia for that type like i just i love the way it looks as its own art form if that makes sense sure no i totally get that i maybe maybe i'm wrong it's not the animation it's just the way that dick miller responds to it it's a little bit like it's a little stagnant or they can't uh, they it doesn't sync up right like it does not sync up he's swatting at the air but then there's nothing really in the air like he's he's swatting in places where there aren't things and yeah so exactly yeah but that that was one of my favorite ones is where he he you know the guy is covered in cement and he flies up to the top of the cathedral and that's he becomes a gargoyle on top of the cathedral that's a it's a great gag yeah it's a great gag Yeah. yeah And I also, like, I always think if they made a sequel, like, that you can almost start with there because it's like you have this gremlin who is who didn't who, get killed, presumably. Right. He's just... You're right. He's preserved. Well, there's another case. one that didn't get killed, too. There's two. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So then we go back inside, and it's, it's madness. It, there's no other <laughs> way is, to describe it. It's madness. This is the scene where it's just like, I mean, it blew my mind how many of these things they had running around simultaneously. You've, you've got John Glover shoving one into a paper shredder. Uh, and I do like where the guy, the his like second in command is like, this man's crazy. And of course, John Glover's like constantly wiping green goop yeah. off of his jacket. And he's like, I don't think he is. I think, he, you know. Uh, so they devise this plan to lure all of the gremlins into the center of this building. And what they're going to do is they're going to lure them down there, make them think it's nighttime because that's the goal is right. Is like when this building closes at night, they're going to, they're going to get out of the building and take over New York. Right. And I do like where somebody's like, look, we can't have like this city's crappy enough. We don't need a bunch of gremlins running around to make it even worse. And New York in the nineties in 1990 was pretty garbage. Uh, so, they devise this. They're going to get him down there. And then as they're about ready to pull off this massive stunt, uh, rain clouds come in and cover the sun. So they can't do it. I was thinking about how hard it would be to have a, a mogwai as a pet. I mean, you would have <laughs> you to, are constantly paying attention. <laughs> you would have to. I mean, no natural sunlight in your house. You would have to have all windows. No, shades na- closed no, all no the bright time. lights. Not even natural like, sunlight. Can't even do bright lights. Well, I mean, that hurts. Like, yeah, you couldn't do bright lights, but I just mean like as far as like killing them. <laughs> I was I was just thinking how even if you are a really, really good Mogwai pet owner, how difficult it would be <laughs> and how you could never have the sunlight come in. <laughs> yeah, you would be living a very pale existence. Uh, yeah, so they Billy comes up with the idea 
to spray them all with water, which I was like, that's real dumb. What are you <laughs> like? You didn't learn a lot enough. But then he's he, the electrical gremlin ended up getting stuck into um, John Glover's phone. Like he got put on hold. And I was like, yeah, yeah <laughs> sure. That makes sense. Yep. Uh, so checks out. Right. Billy asks Kate. He's like, can you transfer a call down here? <laughs> and she was like, yeah, yeah, I can. So they transfer the electrical gremlin uh, downstairs and they electrocute all of them. They this is how they they take out all of these uh, gremlins with electricity and they which gives them the opportunity to go bonkers with the goop and the gore. The kills. Yeah, yeah. you just blow them up. You can melt them. You can do whatever you want. So what about uh, has the spider one already been? So the spider one has trapped Margo. Marla. 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 (laughs) Uh, she's trapped in the uh, spider webs, which is, I got. This is the scariest. This is super creepy. Oh, I she wasn't home right now, right? Is that what it was? Well, sorry, she wasn't home right now. She was trapped in the spider webs. Yes, that's yeah. Gwen Stefani would love to have been in this movie. <laughs> uh, but yes, so the I got to tell you, the spider gremlin is super creepy. Yeah, like they have they make that weird uh, spider noise that's coming. You only see it in the shadow for a little bit. And then just as it's about ready to kill Margot. No. Yes. Marla. Uh, <laughs> uh, Marla. Gizmo shows up looking like Rambo and shoots a flaming arrow into the spider webs and kills it. Yeah. And it was awesome. Like, that was so good. Uh, I always loved Gizmo dressed as Rambo. Yeah, it's fantastic. I think that's just a great. It's it's adorable the way he's replicating it and like his tough guy face. Yeah, like his eyebrows yeah. furrow. You know, yeah, so great. Uh, so why did they never? I mean, I know that Furbies are basically ripoffs of yes. Mogwais. Why did they never make like partner up and make a Gizmo Furby? Like it's it would have been it would have sold a trillion because Warner Brothers was too dumb. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, with all the merchandise I mean, they, they and have, everything. They have, I, I was actually looking on eBay last night. I was like, I wonder what is out there as far as, like, plush toys or mm-hmm. they've got a lot, a lot of gizmo stuff. If someone, anyone knows how to merchandise, Joe, there was a movie that came out a year before yeah. that we haven't even mentioned. <laughs> right. so that's very true. Mike, remember when the bat crashes out the wall? All of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's great. Uh, so... Yes. So then, oh, I I do love that one of the gremlins in the lobby is wearing an, a no gizmo shirt. Right. Yeah. Like think, gizmo yeah. busters. Yeah. <laughs> another amazing. Uh, yeah. Another amazing visual gag. Yeah. It's like the Ghostbusters, but it's a they get a picture of gizmo. Like I mean, it's fantastic. And so like wonderful. we talked, uh, Leonard Malton is reviewing the movie inside. You know, the first one inside this one. Then of course the gremlins attack, and he's like, Ah, I was just kidding. I think that's so great that. Leonard Malton, who I've always been a fan of, I he tore apart the movie, and then Joe Dante puts him in this movie, and they become friends, like they're close friends to this day. Oh, that's all right, you know. And like that's he cool. tore, yeah, he tore apart the first movie, and then he ended up like giving him the cameo, and he liked the, you know, I don't know, it just kind of neat. Whereas think about critics nowadays and how sometimes it never happen. directors and people they fight online, and you know, it's like <laughs> such a different time. It is very different, yeah. <laughs> um. And that's that, that's kind of how this one wraps up is they John Glover breaks in because there's a you know, he gets out of the building using his secret uh, exit emergency exit tube, I guess. Yeah. Uh, he breaks in and there's goop everywhere. And of course, he's going to be heralded as like the savior of this tower. And 
he ends up finding Billy's drawing of his old hometown. He's like, this is what people want. They want the small, quaint, quiet town. They I want got the town it. from well, Back to the Future. They want the town from Back to the Future. Do they call it Notting Hill Valley? No. I it's, don't think so. Uh, it's, isn't it called like Kingston Falls or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, maybe. Okay. I don't know why I was... when we. I think it's because Tom said it was not Hill Valley. I kept Valley. calling it <laughs> not Hill Valley. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know, Gizmo was there, and they, he's going to go live with Kate and Billy. You know, I kind of love that. I'm sorry. I don't mean to jump back, but I kind of love that when you watch movies and you see the same sets on movies. There's something about that where, yeah. like, I don't know. I mean, of course... The practical sets used to be so expensive. Now everything's CG and green screens. But when you built a freaking town, you got your money's worth when you built that town. Well, you built a town. And I love seeing things like, I don't know, Katie and I were watching something the other day, and she's like, that's the courtyard from Harry Potter. Like, they filmed it in the same... Like, there's there's something about that to where when they build huge practical sets and they leave them up and they reuse them and repurpose and... Yeah, I mean, it's just just a universal backlot. So, I mean, they, they shoot... There's tons of it, it. It's designed to be easily repurposed, yeah. so it's not obvious. But like, if you look for it, you can tell. And yeah, like if you look for it, you can start to tell. But like, but yeah, so like they like this was shot there. And, you know, or th- that small town was shot there. Obviously, as we said, Hill Valley is shot there. But I mean, they shot the good place there. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, oh really? Yeah. They just they can easily. And if you ever go to Universal Studios Hollywood, you can take a tour, and they will take you onto that back lot. It is a working, functioning back like studio lot to this day. Like it's not something they do occasionally. It is like when when we took the tour, like it was completely set up for to be the good place. Except unfortunately, I had not started watching the good place yet, so I got no pictures of us in front of all of those stores. But like I believe, like they shoot a lot of Larry David episodes. I mean, it's the Universal backlot, so it gets used nonstop. And like, like the big giant courthouse that you that you uh, see in Save the Clock Tower, Save the Clock Tower. There we go. Thank you. In Back to the Future, like it's giant brick, but they can instantly, like not instantly, but they can (laughs) easily for them pull it down and make that look like a cement courthouse instead of a brick courthouse, or they can make it look like there's like old timey columns. And so they can do all these things to change the look and texture of these, of these buildings. So all of a sudden it can go from looking like a cafe in Paris to looking like a New York city street. That's the stuff I miss. And that's so, I, you know, I, I've never been to the LA parks, but like I, I miss at, uh, you know, at uh, Disney, like at, Hollywood Studios and at Universal when they used to do more tours and like I swear at the Disney one I think I saw like the fronts of like full house houses or something like that yeah a full house is there Desperate Housewives was there um, I think uh, originally those were the houses for like Golden Girls and Empty Nest yep. and stuff like like they originally had designed MGM Studios to be a functioning studio. film yeah. studio and I never knew that and it was in- intermittently they did film some stuff there um, but they but never like, got well, enough business to make it worth it, right? They couldn't. They couldn't get enough business to keep it kind of constantly in business. Yeah, I miss that because that's such a great concept. I wish they could have kept it and made it a huge working studio because that's such a fun thing to be able to do. And yeah. you know, I've I've been to Disney so many times, and I miss being able to go on tours like that. And I'll have to check out the LA one sometime. Yeah, because I think um, if if memory ser- like the the Leave It to Beaver House is is a uh, 
Um, it pops up in like a Humphrey Bogart movie. Um, <laughs> That's great. And, and they even still have Ward's car out front. Wow. Like it's like just oh, like, they did. Yeah. Um, uh, That's so fun. But yes, so you see that stuff a lot. Like I know that um, the fountain from Friends, right? That yeah. they yeah. they dance in in the opening credits. It's in an episode of The Monkees. Like, <laughs> because it's not New York. Everybody goes to Central oh, Park looking for San that Francisco, fountain, right? and they think they it's on a back lot. It's not a real thing. It's oh. just it's, oh, they go to New York and try to find. The they go to Central fountain. Park and try and find the fountain, and there's a similar fountain, and a lot of people think that they they fi- you know that they have found it, but they they didn't because it's it's on a set. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, uh-huh. and I was wrong. Desperate Housewives is not. There, Desperate Housewives is in Universal Studios, and I believe, if memory serves, Desperate Housewives' house is like catty corner from the Beaver House, and wow, uh, um, and then also just like houses and sets. There's an episode of Leave It to Beaver where there's an old abandoned house that like they're scared of that mm-hmm. they think is a haunted house, yeah, and it's um, it, it would go on to be better known as 1313 Mockingbird Lane. Wow. So, oh, like, you awesome. see a, so they were right. You see a lot of that stuff. And like there are lots of people, Like if they really drill down on it, you'll even see that like a lot of the costumes, like the monkeys will wear certain shirts that will pop up on other actors in episodes mm-hmm. of like Gidget, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Well, yeah, and uh, the last one I can think of is uh, Universal Studios Orlando. Orlando had uh, the Norman Bates house from Psycho 3, right? Uh, I mean, it was... A, it did? What, did they actually use it in Psycho? Yeah. I knew they in had Psycho one, three. But, but okay, gotcha. They, that's, yeah, they actually had it there, and you could like tour it because that's uh, like when they were trying to do, like, oh, we're, we're Universal Studios, you know, we're studios here, and part of their whole, like, you know, they had, like, the Murder, She Wrote studio where they showed you how those were made, and they built the Psycho 3 set on the lot, and that's long gone, but I miss that stuff when the studios used to actually be, like, the theme park studios used to be studios. So they were studios, yeah, like, it was called <laughs> studios for a reason, yeah. Right. So, um, well, we should probably wrap up Gremlins too. <laughs> uh, yeah. So John Glover, of course, they're gonna. He wants to rebuild. You know, forget all this electronic crap. They want the small towns. They want the perfect little existence. And that's he just. You know, Billy is gonna make all this money because he designed this small town that already exists. So I don't really know how that's gonna work. But well, a it's, script. it's 2017. There, I mean, that Columbus. Th- that's a real thing, though. Like, I mean, no, it totally is a real pre-planned thing, yeah. towns. I mean, we have one in St. Charles mm-hmm. called Newtown. One of the first ones was uh, was owned by Disney World called Celebration USA. Um, so, I mean, honestly, like, I don't know if I guess those had started to pop up there, but this whole entirely pre-planned community to replicate the quaint charms of small town America. That's a very yeah, real Gremlins too. Yeah, I mean that's a very real thing that was beginning around this time. So did you say Chris Columbus has a 2017 script of a of a Gremlins three? Yes. So in 2017, he said that he had the script, so he was back on board. Uh, he really was in love with the script that he made. In 2018, they was supposedly going into pre production, and it's just kind of been on hold since then. So what's the show on HBO Max? Like a prequel? It's a cartoon. It's a prequel. It's called The Secrets of the Mogwai. Mm. Right. Or if you prefer, The Secrets of the Mowgli. I like the Mowgli. Yeah. <laughs> so they, yeah. saw, they saw Baby Yoda and they're like, son of a... Oh, that's exactly it. They're like, we got this. <laughs> yeah. uh, yes, this is... I, I agree with Tom and Kevin. This is... I. It's not superior, but I do like this one a lot more because it, it knows what it wanted to be. It was completely bonkers. 
Uh, and it's just fun to watch Rick Baker be able to do what he does best. Yeah, it's it's a blast. You know, like the human the human characters don't matter. Yeah, in this movie, right? Like they're they're just, they're just there, but <laughs> they're the extras. They are the yeah. extras. Yeah, let's just yeah. make a movie called People. I want to point out a, just a little piece of uh, trivia for this movie that I thought Joe would find interesting. Yes. So oh, besides Hulk, Hulk Hogan, Hogan, step step aside the, real quick. You might find this more interesting than Hulk Hogan. Oh, well, what do you think you about have, that? You have my attention, sir. Opening shot of this film is an aerial shot of New York City. Yes. Oh, I know this. Yeah. It is <laughs> leftover stock footage from Superman 4. <laughs> oh, my God. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's I was so wondering good. when it started, I was like, that ain't a cheap shot. Like, <laughs> no. this sweeping aerial view of New York as they come in. I'm like, back then, you didn't have a drone. I mean, that's a you've got a helicopter for this just establishing shot that Canon does Canon Films was pissed that they got this. And I, I, you know. Yeah. You, you know, you paid for that footage. Yeah, that's Use right. it. I, that's I, right. I mean, that's that's the thing. Hollywood, these studios, I mean, they're yeah. they're smart. And, you know, you why go out and try to get new shots or why not use something? If you've got it, they can enhance the movie. Exactly. And, luck, and you know, it works to their advantage because nobody saw Superman 4. <laughs> that's so. also nah. correct. <laughs> no one's going to be like, hey, that's the same shot. Hey, and, you, you know, I did this last one and uh, um, last time. <clears throat> I did this last time, and I thought I'd do it again. Just the top ten grossing m- movies of 1990. Oh, sure. Um, just to kind of show you where pop culture was at that moment in time, and I think it also shows you, like, even though it's only six years later, in a lot of ways, it's like a million years later, right? You know, which is part of why this movie did not succeed. Like, I think it made oh. like forty million dollars on a fifty million dollar budget or something. Yeah, like that. unfortunately. So, anyway, so uh, I mean, just. Pop culture had kind of moved on. So here are the top 10 movies of 1990 coming in at number 10, Kindergarten Cop. And it also shows you how quickly Hollywood had become, had had grown in terms of a, like movie ticket revenue. Because last time we didn't get to a $100 million movie until number four on the list. Mm-hmm. Right now, Kindergarten Cop uh, um, is... And well, I, okay, these are worldwide grosses. Last time it was domestic, so that's not entirely fair. But Kindergarten Cops worldwide gross was two hundred million dollars, so wow. I think it made over a hundred million dollars domestic. So anyway, uh, coming in at number nine, uh, number nine, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. Uh, number eight, Presumed Innocent. Hmm. I don't think I've ever seen uh, that. Uh, number seven, uh, Die Hard Two. Oh yeah. Mm. Number six, Back to the Future 3. Number five, Total Recall. Number four, Dances with Wolves. Mm. Number three, Pretty Woman. <laughs> number two, Home Alone. Yeah. And coming in at number one, Ghost. I mean, it, it makes Where sense. Where was Gremlins on that list? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I believe Gremlins came in at number 34 on that list. <laughs> oh, For real. That's really a shame. That's a, t- that's I, a, that's a tough thing. That's a tough... Uh, top 10 to crack absolutely i you know i that is interesting to look at those and i will say as much as you talked about like the jarring tone of the first movie the fact that coming off that first movie i know that you can see the seed planted there for the comedic sensibilities and all that but this movie is just so zany that i could see people going into it and being like what (laughs) absolutely that's I remember walking out of the theater and I was like the only one that was like, that was really good because <laughs> I didn't care for the first one. So, yeah, I don't even know why I went to see the second one. And and uh, 
And I just remember walking out going like, I did not expect that, and I was happy with what I got. So, but you love cartoons, and this is a big cartoon. It's a yeah, big cartoon. I, but I don't know that I really even fully got that one. Maybe because there yeah. was a big article in Entertainment Weekly. Um, it was a, it was a time when John Glover could have made the cover of Entertainment Weekly, but I <laughs> guess when you got to do wow. one a week, that's pretty hard. Um, but you know, and it talking about how this one was funnier and more subversive, and it was kind of mm. like, oh, okay, maybe maybe that's what got me over the hump. I don't know. I was a big yeah. Entertainment Weekly guy back in the day. So, um, so anyway, I uh, I guess that's it for this one. Let's go around the table, and everyone can say where to find them. This is Joe. You can follow me on the Twitter at Joy Butts B U T T S twenty one. This is Kevin. Follow me on Twitter at Kevin R Bracket. And this is Tom. You can follow me on Twitter at Roger Kubert or on Facebook at Facebook dot com slash Tom O'Keefe. Uh, you can find the show online, facebook.com slash real spoilers. While you're there, like the page, join the group. And of course, wherever you get your podcast, be sure and subscribe and check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash real spoilers. So uh, that's it for this one coming up next week as we continue unlocking the locker <laughs> of misbegotten sequels. I think next week the sequel will be agreed upon by all to be actually misbegotten. <laughs> all right. So we will tackle, uh, Joe, you'll like this one. It's something of a police drama, I suppose. We will, we will <laughs> oh, tackle. Oh, I know what this is. I know what this is. Do you? Yes. What do you think it is? In the Heat of the Night. Nope. Uh, <laughs> is there a In Heat of the Night 2? There yeah, are. They uh, call there me are, Mr. Tibbs. There are three oh. In the Heat of the Night movies, actually. Yeah. There are, they're, they're, they made two sequels to that film. We will get to that at some point. I, I'm <laughs> oh, okay, good. Interested to dive into that. So uh, next week we will tackle The Blues Brothers and Blues oh, okay. Brothers 2000, <laughs> oh, <no>. which fittingly <laughs> came out in 1998. So oh. um, that's what you have to look forward to. So until then, thanks for tuning in. And Marvin puts a blue monkey on the Acme Saddle. Yeah.